Greetings, my friends, and welcome to Hardwater Radio. This is Jason Archer. We're recording under the umbrella of Hardwater One here in the Valley of the Sun. And today we continue the mission to arm humans with the tools to crush mediocrity, create mastery, and live in total wellness with my next guest, Dr. Vince, Vince Cataruccia. Vince has a new book that's going to be coming out called Damned by the Diagnosis. And uh, this guy is just a wealth of knowledge. He's been in the industry for a long time, but he doesn't think the way a lot of people in the industry who've been in a long time think. I think that's fair to say, yeah? Oh, there's no doubt. Very cool. So we're going to dive into his world and talk a little bit about what he's going to be exposing really in this book. Um, To use his words, it's going to be a bit of a provocative read. So I highly encourage you to check it out. It's going to be launching on October 18th. So just around the corner, it'll be available on Amazon. And of course, if you want to touch base with him right now, reach out at damnbythediagnosis at gmail.com. So Vince, welcome on, my friend. Ah, Thank you for having me, Jason. Oh man, it's great to have you back. I know we did one in the past and we uh, probably could have talked all day. We were vibing on some serious, uh, similar topics. It was really good. Yep. Good deal, brother. So um, tell me what's going on in your world these days. How's the world in, uh, in your practice? Things are good. You know, things are busy. There's always people that need a little bit of help. People that are kind of falling out of the big med system, uh, having pain, injury, things that are going kind of unanswered and that's what I specialize in is the complicated, difficult stuff, the stuff that you don't think you can get better from. So that's what uh, I guess that's what we're here to talk a little bit about. Yeah, for sure. Let's let's dive into that a little bit, because when we first met and you told me a little bit about what you did, my assumption was that you were Johnny Cairo. Right. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> we talked about this a lot. And you said, you know, listen, when I tell people what I do, they automatically assume that I'm a chiropractor. And so let's go ahead and dispel that rumor right now. And let's talk a little bit about specifically what your interests are and the type of people you serve and then how we can apply some of the concepts in your book to ourselves and to those people that you serve. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So it is kind of, it's a running joke for me and my family because I put the DR in front of my name, which I immediately try to dismiss with anybody that I first meet. People call me Dr. Vince and the assumption is, is that I'm a chiropractor and, you know, chiropractors are amazing practitioners. They have a great place in the world, but it's not what I do. So I'm, I'm a symbiotic with a chiropractor, but my love and passion is the musculoskeletal system in understanding why it's not working well. So figuring out where those asymmetries in, in the machine are happening, listening and, and observing how it moves. So I make a living working with people that have been through some physical therapy, maybe some chiropractic, and maybe they're just not getting the answers that they're looking for. Maybe they're just functioning at that 80%. They're still not feeling as well as they want to. And they know that there's a better or maybe a different answer out there. And so I end up working with the people that are looking for that next level. Right, right. So it's not the typical PT slash you know, AT slash Cairo situation where, you know, you're being, I guess you're just coming in and and complaining of a problem and then being uh, prescribed a particular movement or movement pattern that you're supposed to do. Right. And oftentimes you'll, you'll find if you've been through, and a lot of people have been through physical therapy or chiropractic at that first session that you have with that practitioner, they make it seem like you have a unique situation and that you're going to have a unique treatment plan 
and you get into it two or three visits and you start to think to yourself, this is the same thing that I just went through with a different provider. It's no different. And that's because oftentimes in the medical system, in any system of any sort, that's why they call it a system, there's a set process for a specific issue. There's really not a lot of unique thought that goes into a person's problem, and that's where I differ. I spend a lot of time listening at first when we meet a client. I spend a lot of time listening to the problem. I spend a lot of time listening to the history and understanding maybe what the failure was from or how it occurred. You know, why, why isn't this person better? There's, there's an answer, and oftentimes that person knows what it is. They just didn't get a chance to explain it. Right, right. So when you're in that situation where you are listening, right, I mean, I think initially that jumps out at me because most of the time when I in, am in some sort of formal practitioner's office, they want to get me in and out as quickly as possible so that they can get, you know, more insurance bills out or, you know, collect money and get to the next person. And, you know, there's a certain amount of value in that. But, you know, at the end of the day, when you're sitting with someone and you're listening and taking that time, what are you listening for? And I think this is probably going to be one of those questions that applies more to someone in your realm of service because of the fact that I don't think you're going to want to work with every single person that comes through your door. No, that's exactly right. You know, first off, first and foremost for me, what I listen for is the desire to get better. You know, oftentimes I will meet with a client that has been defined by their issue and we have to kind of turn the nose of that plane around, get them to remember what it was like to not have the issue. So when you say defined by their issue, let's dive into that a little bit, maybe break it down what you mean by that. So what I mean is if a person's been in trouble, if they've had pain or they've been suffering from some sort of injury and they've been living with it for greater than three months, three months is the demarcation line for what they call chronic. So up until that, you're still kind of an acute pain sufferer or injury uh, client. After three months, that's the demarcating line. Now you're chronic. And that chronicity allows for or it becomes part of the fabric of the person. The fact that you wake up every day with pain or some sort of movement dysfunction or alteration in your movement, you start to just expect it to happen. And when someone asks you, how are you today? How do you answer that? That's my big question. How do you answer it? Like, do you, in, do you just jump into how miserable you feel and how awful life is because you're not moving the way you want to? Or is that something that you kind of discount because it's going to go away in your mind and it's not a problem? You've got this and I feel great today. Everything's good, right? Yeah. That's pretty rare. I don't hear that story come into my office very often. Oftentimes, that person's been defined by their issue. So they have a story to tell, and that story is based on the pain that they feel or the dysfunction that they have. So we got to first figure out how to get them to stop talking about it and realize that there's more in their life. So that's, that's a big piece of that first conversation. 
So do you feel that when you run into some of these situations that people have normalized the pain? In other words, they just assume that it's part of everyday life and it's going to be from here on out. Is that kind of what's happening when they're in that space? Oh yeah, absolutely. They've, yeah. they've just kind of decided it's like I, I use the word, it's part of their fabric. Mm-hmm. It's become part of them. It's their new normal. And you know, I had a professor years ago that I had the luxury of learning from, <clears throat> uh, Carl Levitt and Vladimir Yanda in Prague. They would basically say, pain is what the patient says it is. Well, that's fine. That's great. That's very profound. But at the same time, <coughs> pain is also something that is an indicator that you have an issue it's not something that's supposed to exist. It's not supposed to be there. It's just a yellow light that's blinking on your dashboard. Well, that's not normal. And for a person to start thinking that that yellow light blinking on the dashboard is normal, that's just something we have to dispel very quickly. Mm -hmm. And, And I tell that same story to people, and I use that analogy, and they do just like you did. You smile and you kind of chuckle and... Oh my God, yeah, that's me. And so then we can go from there. Once they realize, oh my God, I'm being unreasonable about this. And my my thoughts are not real rational when it comes to how I'm perceiving my situation. It's just after you've seen enough practitioners and enough, I guess you could say, specialists or experts and they can't help you or they haven't helped you, you start to lose hope. You start to lose faith in the system. And I get it. That that makes sense. You you start to lose trust in that next person that someone told you to go see. So I'm here telling you and telling whomever listens to this that I'm not that guy. (laughs) Trust me, pal, you're not that guy. (laughs) (laughs) you're not that guy (laughs) such a great meme yeah no I I hear you man and I think there's a lot of validity to what you're saying especially from the standpoint of at some point along the line someone who's been in chronic pain either physically or mentally emotionally however you want to define that on some level you run into that person who has basically given up and made that a part of their identity and now it is part of everything that they do. You know, you've run, always run into that person who, when you ask them how they're doing, they got a complaint because it gives them attention. Yes. You know, yeah. gives them more time in your presence. You right. know, they're addicted to the outcomes that their addiction to that pain brings. Yeah. And so the pain is just an intermediary to some other desire that they want to have fulfilled, you know. Right. Right. Um, I'm imagining you've run into this quite a bit as well. Oh, yeah. And oh. Uh, when you when you see that, like, how do you counteract that? Like, you know, there's those people who just, some people just no matter what you do or what you say, they're just not ready to hear it. Yeah. And they will not let go of that outcome that they want right. to create by right. being that victim, you know? I have kind of a showstopper response to that. Oh, yeah? I just ask the person if they're done. Are they done? And do they enjoy that explanation of who they are? You know, are, are you happy about this? Like, is this what you want to be? And they stop. They literally stop in their tracks, kind of puts them on their heels. And they say, well, no, but it's, it's what it is. Like, I have to accept it. Says who? 
I don't believe you have to accept it. There's always an answer, and sometimes that answer lies within the person. And that's what we have to really get people to realize is that there's some serious power within you. There's power to heal within you. I, as a practitioner, my job sometimes is just to ask the right questions, draw that out of you so that we can line up those stars so that you can traverse your way out of the hole that you're in. If you don't sit down and have that rational, reasonable conversation about what got you here, well, then you're not going to get better because you're just going to be allowed to accept it. And, And from my perspective as that practitioner, that clinician, I'm not okay with people rolling over and playing dead. Like I'm not okay with people just accepting what other providers told them is what should be or what is the issue. You know, like we're not supposed to be in pain. Like I said, it's just an indicator. So if someone looks at you and says, well, that's just the way it's going to be. Well, I think that's pretty short-sighted. And it's unreasonable. So I just tell people, that well, that one was easy. You just check that box and walk out of that office. You know, go to the next person. But again, the hard part for people is that where do you go? How, how, how do you find somebody that knows what I know or, or attends to the issue like I do? You know, there's some... There's some resources like the alternative pain directory on the on the web the alternative pain directory there's a wonderful woman named cindy perlin who has worked years to put providers together that have a similar thought process and a person can reach out to the alternative pain directory and within your region you can find a practitioner that maybe fits or thinks outside the box so I'm a part of that directory and you know I I get a fair amount of organic referral from it because of where I live here in in Arizona and the idea is there should be more of that there should be more of that collaborative effort to help people and that's why I came up with the whole idea of putting the book out there right because my goal was not just touching one person at a time. My goal was to take the 27 years worth of being a a clinician, now it's 30, but during the writing of the book, um, it was at the 27-year mark for me, and I was having same conversations over and over and over. And it just got to a point where I was like, you know, I should really start writing this stuff down. And it just became kind of a manuscript and, and now a book. And... The goal is to bring this message to more people at one time and raise that awareness, raise that level of consciousness and get people to start asking their providers the right questions because you're not just supposed to show up in the office and sit there and let someone talk at you. Right. It should be a conversation. Mm-hmm. And it should definitely be more than 15 minutes. I... In 15 minutes, what do I do? In 15 minutes, I find out who the person is, what they like to be called, what their profession is. Do they have kids? Like, I need to know this person. 
if we're going to get into it, like if we're going to figure this out, I need to understand what's tugging at them from all angles of life. Because in the book, I talk about it, the body as a bucket. You know, that's what your body is. It's a, and, and forgive my French, but it's a bucket of bullshit. You collect bullshit all day long. And guess what it does? It fills up. And that spillover could be a headache, could be a shoulder ache, could be low back pain, could be a knee that's bothering you. And you're like, why? All of a sudden, this came out of the blue. Well, it's because your bucket's full of bullshit. It's full of life's crap. And so we need to talk about that. And that's what the first session's all about is, I call it an evaluation because people like to call things by names. But, you know, it wouldn't be super attractive if you just paid for a conversation, right? But that's really what it is. It's an investigative conversation that my job is just to kind of lead you down a path that eventually gets all the answers that we need to define the problem. Sure. It kind of reminds me of the old school, like country doctor, you know, who was in a community, yeah. embedded in a community, knew everyone, knew their histories, knew yeah. what they did for work and had some sort of an idea going to visit them when they were ill of yeah. what might have had it before they ever walked in the front door. Right. Absolutely. Because they, they knew their lifestyle. And nowadays, like you said, when you go in for 15 minutes and the doc's <laughs> like, hey, what's the problem? you know, get to it quick. You know, I got somebody waiting kind of a thing, yeah. you know, that's just not going to happen. I mean, so there's that investigative process. that's completely yeah. sort of shelved in the modern medical system. Right you now it's like, how quickly can we uh, bill insurance and get this fucker out of here? Right. You know, well, and I thing. can't, I can't help it. But as you're talking about going in for that 15 minute visit, think about what happens leading up to that visit. Lots of waiting. Oh, someone. my goodness. <laughs> and then when you're at the apex moment of being absolutely pissed off and frustrated, the fat nurse comes out and grabs you, and she walks you over to the scale. Yeah. And you think about, they say, jump on the scale, and you're like, well, but I have low back pain. What the hell does scale have anything to do with it? Just get on the scale. And you get on the scale, and she looks over, and she goes, whoa. 157 pounds no kidding and you're following her and you're looking at her and you're like you're calling me fat <laughs> so now she walks you into the little room and she sits you down and she puts a blood pressure cuff on you so now your blood pressure is up because you've been sitting around the waiting room and the kids have been running into your legs with tonka trucks <laughs> and then you got weighed on the scale and got offended because basically someone non-verbally called you fat right and now you're being told you have high blood pressure but wait a second i'm sitting here for my low back pain holy cow and then the door closes and you pace that little room like a gerbil in a wheel until the doctor shows up it's a crummy system it's a broken system and i can't it sounds cliche but i can't take it anymore so this is one of many books that i'm going to put out it does definitely summarize some key tenets that I will elaborate on as three separate books as time goes on here. But I wanted to get it out there. I wanted, it makes me feel better to say the things I say in the book. But my goal is that people kind of sit back and go, oh my gosh, yeah. One, they're going to find out that I do know the pain 
I understand it. And two, they're going to figure out that it's okay to take control of those visits with your practitioners. Like go in there with definite goals. Like what are you trying to achieve and hold them accountable for those goals. Here's an interesting thing that people oftentimes don't understand. A treatment trial in a chiropractic office or a physical therapy office, if you're a new patient and they're telling you that they're going to get you better, oftentimes they use the word fix. I'm going to fix you. Well, I think the only person that does that is God, but at the, that's just my opinion. So they're going to fix you. They get three visits. And in those three visits, if they're not 60% better in those three visits, that treatment trial is over. You have a, you have a, you have a definite obligation to, one, ask them what the new approach is going to be, and we're going to do a different treatment trial, or you go find a different person. Now, is this part of, like, standard protocols? Is this sort of well-known or no? Oh, no. It's an unspoken thing. It's, it's something that people should know, though, that if the proof is in the pudding, right, that if you're going to go in and go in for care and a provider is telling you that they understand your situation and they have a solution, within three visits, you should be feeling better or different. So it should change significantly, at least enough for you to be able to talk about it. If it's not changing then there's, you know, I don't believe in this blind faith thing that everybody has in their practitioners. Like, you're going to do 16 visits, and then we're going to reevaluate. 16 visits? Well, that takes eight weeks most often. Well, how are you going to feel in eight weeks if you're not getting better? You're going to feel a lot worse in eight more weeks, and your dysfunction is going to be eight more weeks stronger. Mm-hmm. Three sessions. Yeah, I mean, the bar seems low nowadays when it comes to the public sort of grading, a, you know, a medical practitioner, in my opinion. When I talk to people and they say, oh, I got a guy or I got a gal or whatever the case may be, you know, I'll say, really? Well, what makes him so good? You know, what is it based on? Yeah, what's it based on? And they'll say something to the effect of, oh, well, he takes extra time with me or she was really kind yeah. And I'm like, okay, well, that's great. But what kind of results are you getting? Because it still looks like you're humped over in pain. You know, yeah. like it still yeah. looks like you're not fixed yet. You right. know, right. they won't talk about that. No. But if it's so uncommon for someone to take extra time or so uncommon yeah. for someone to be cordial and build a relationship with someone in some sort of rapport, that that is now the standard that the public has. <laughs> you couldn't be more correct. That is so correct. Yeah, our, our standard, our baseline has definitely changed in our, our expectations. I mean, we're facing it right now. Go to the restaurant, right? And you stand there and you wait for the hostess that used to be there. And then you look down and it says, seat yourself. Well, okay, I'm going to seat myself. But there's no wait staff. Our baseline is being changed everywhere. Unfortunately for us in the medical system, that baseline was changed years ago. Right. And it's only getting worse. You know, so I guess that's why I feel the book is timely. It's time for people to kind of take this back. Stop being a passenger in a vehicle that you have no control over. 
Start asking questions. Where am I going and how are we getting there? And oh, by the way, how long is this going to take? Yeah, for sure. Well, now that you have sort of laid that out, let's dive into the book. I know that there are three core tenets and you were kind enough to send me an advanced copy which I haven't read. I'm not going to sit here and be like the nightly news guy and say, oh, I, I read the book last night, you know, and he pulls out a quote, you know. I haven't read the book. I skimmed through it, and I, I picked up the top three ideas. And, you know, obviously with you here, there's no point in me talking about them. Yeah. So let's yeah. walk through some of these things. I think a lot of it will be, you know, not necessarily like earth-shattering, but at least paradigm-shifting um, in terms of how people view their experience. And this is important that we, like you said, take control back of our experience, right? Like uh, a lot of it's common sense. Yeah. But we've, like you said, given over control to this entity that really couldn't give a shit about you, right? right? So at the end of the day, what do you do about that? And your book addresses this, right? So yeah, Damned absolutely. by the Diagnosis is the title. Again, it releases on 18th, is that Thursday? Yeah, Thursday. Thursday, yep. right? And so we'll get all that information to you guys. But uh, with that said, I believe the first core tenet was understand, understand. right? Understand. So yep. what is it that we need to understand when we go into that practitioner's office? You know, I mean, aside from the fact that he may or may not bill insurance and it's going to be a pain in the ass. Right, right. Well, yeah, it's already a pain in the ass before you got there. <laughs> Just getting your appointment scheduled. But so understand is a broad-based term that I use to one understand the system that you're going into, right? Understand the questions that you should be asking those people. But even bigger than that is you need to understand why you're hurting. That is the predominant theme in that chapter is that provider, that, that ally that you've gone to needs to help you understand what the problem is. What is cause? We need to define cause. That's key. You can't get better if you don't know the why. So the chapter basically lays it out, tells a couple of different client stories, and it gets the reader to really understand that I get it. I understand why you're in trouble. And, and you need to understand, I use these word, this word much, right? understand you need to understand what to ask the questions if the provider isn't asking you really probative inquisitive questions that have to do with what got you into the room in the first place then it's up to you to look at that provider and say don't you want to know this and oh by the way i did fall on my tailbone when i was this age and oh by the way i did twist my ankle when i was this age and oh by the way I, I have a crummy diet, and oh, by the way, I smoke. And you need to realize that all of that stuff needs to be figured in to why you're sitting in this office. You know, it always strikes me as curious when a person comes in, and first, because I'm a, a fee-based provider, like I don't take insurance, right? So people have a hard time with that right away. They come in and, oh, I'm expensive, I'm expensive. But I'm always shocked at the fact that people don't correlate the fact that they drink no water, they smoke, they eat greasy fried food, fast food, at least three or four times a week. I mean, there's so many free things that these people are doing that got them to my office that 
let's not talk about my fee. Let's talk about all the things you could have done that were free that could have potentially solved your problem before you got here. Sure. So like you said, common sense. And it's Which not is that uncommon, common. right? <laughs> <laughs> so at the end of the day... Jinx, you owe me a coke. <laughs> at the end of the day, that meeting that I have with that person that could last an hour, hour and a half, two hours, we go through the common sense stuff. And, you know, we have light bulbs going on all over the place in that meeting. But then we also dive into the, the whole anatomy, the physiology part of why things aren't getting better sans the common sense stuff like water and what have you. So what I'll say is, look, let's pretend like you're well hydrated, you don't smoke and all of this. You're in trouble because of these mechanical factors. You're in trouble because you're not moving right. And we need to come up with a strategy that helps you understand how to move better. So that all is happening in that chapter of understanding, you know, giving that person that good foundation to go from. But I mean, at the end of the day, if, if someone's coming in from the fee world, the standard practitioner world, right, and they sit with you, right, they're accustomed to you as Dr. Vince asking all the questions to yeah. me, the ignorant patient. I should just sit here with my mouth shut uh-huh. waiting for your next question. Yeah. Right. Because who am I to dare question you yeah. about my situation? Right. Right. And so, you know, obviously there's got to be a breakthrough there and, you know, having a conversation is yeah. certainly the beginning of that. But, yeah. you know, if you don't allow for that two way communication, how can anything positive really ever come from that? Yeah. And that's where I think within the first five minutes of any meeting that you have with a practitioner, you're going to know whether it's a two way street or a one way street, you know, you're going to know if you're going to be involved in your own care or not. And if you're not, that's when you need to just get up and be like, yeah, you know what? I'm going to send your bill back to you because you're not providing the service that you're actually billing me for. You know, at the end of the day, that's the person's responsibility. I can't do anything about it up to that point. You know, how I lead my clinical world, yeah, is definitely unique. And I'm not controlled by a big system, and I'm not told I can only spend 15 minutes. I do whatever it takes. I take as much time. But that's where maybe people have to start looking outside of the system sure for better forms of care right you know i could easily jump into the whole political world but i'm not going to do that in terms of being awake and aware oh come on (laughs) let's do that (laughs) that's funny yeah it's so funny right now with the whole covid thing right not to shift gears too much but uh joe rogan you know he was accused of taking horse you know horse dewormer oh yeah Right. So then he put a, a meme out on his timeline that basically it's a photo of him and then a photo of that uh, some guy from CNN. I don't even know his name. Brian, somebody. And the top, it says, you know, um, something like uh, Joe Rogan admits to taking to drinking water, you know, drinking water. And <laughs> the bottom, it says, you know, the CNN guy says, you know, Joe Rogan, you know, is is drinking water, which is commonly used to, you know, cool gasoline engines or something <laughs> yeah. like that. You know, yeah. It's yeah. just, it's ridiculous it is what's ridiculous. going on in the world right now. But I mean, to think that that sort of thing shifts perception, I mean, to, you know, pull it back from politics and COVID and all the rest of it, but to pull it back and to think that that 
shapes perception. It does because authority is at play, right? And I think really at the end of the day, you know, when you're having that interaction with a practitioner, I know when I go in there, I mean, I, I don't feel like I have any authority. Yeah. Like this guy has all the, you know, he's got his fancy diplomas up on the oh, wall. His white coat. Yeah. He's got the white coat, right? Oh yeah. The, the white that means coat. It's one step down from God. That means shut up. Right? Yeah. Right. He's oh, got a pen, yeah. you know, that's why I dress in black. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good guys wear black. Yeah. yeah. The, the Johnny the Cash of, of pain management. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, well, I prefer the lead singer for ACDC, but... Oh, there yeah, you go. Yeah. Brian something? I forget his name, but I get accused of looking like him a lot. Right. You know, that that's the whole idea, though, is that paradigm shift. And, 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 and again, initially, it's up to the patient. You have to go in loaded and ready and realize that just because there's DR in front of someone's name, they put their pants on the same way you do. They... They drive a car just like you do. They eat just like you do. They just have a skill set that you're hoping will help you. It's up to you to make that connection with the person, and it's up to them to allow for it. Right. Yeah, for sure, man. So, I mean, on this whole idea of, I think really what you're you're getting at is kind of like taking responsibility, right? Absolutely. Because, you know, I mean, in Western culture, it is, I see a doctor doctor fixes me. It's like a one and done kind of a thing. Yep. You know, yep. I see the Cairo, he cracks me. I'm good. Yeah. You know, or I saw, you know, the general practitioner, he gave me a pill, a peel, a peel, a pill. <laughs> I take it and I'm good. Right. And then I'm going to be fixed in seven days after taking the Z pack or whatever, you know, whatever thing they give right. us to fix us. Right. Yeah. But talk to me about the next portion where, you know, we actually have to get involved in the process, right? Yeah, it's time to overcome. Yeah, we've had that interaction, right? I get that we've, we connected now and you understand uh, what my needs are. Right. And I understand that you actually care. So now you got to do the hardest thing, which is get me to buy into what your belief system is now around what I should do. Yep. And that's to lay it out and, and get you to understand what the strategy is that you are going to be involved in. This isn't bring your flesh bag in <laughs> and I'm going to manipulate it or I'm going to work on it or I'm going to inject it or whatever it is. This is about us working as a team to get better. And so my job as the skilled, educated person is to create a strategic plan that you're going to help me carry out. And so that's all about the overcome side of this. I I make sure that people understand that they're a participant in their wellness. It's not just you're going to show up, walk through my threshold and immediately feel better. Yeah. But how does that work though? I mean, honestly, if especially, I mean, what age demographic do you normally deal with? Oh, I, is it older people? No, it goes, I mean, I've had 13 year olds. I had an 86 year old this morning, you know, it's, it's all, it's runs the gamut. Right. Well, the reason I ask that question obviously is the more life experience someone has, you know, uh, you know, obviously the more ingrained they are into way, the way that they think about the world and yeah. the difficult, more difficult that change is going to be most of the time. I'm not yeah. saying everyone is wired that way. Some people will take themselves on more, you know, more readily than others. Right. However, you know, if you're dealing with that person who has, you know, done the standard route so many times they think they walk in they're going to get fixed they say okay well, i'm going to give this a shot okay well now you're faced with that idea of getting them to comply right right which is the challenge of every coach 
you know, you know, every trainer, you know, anyone that's ever worked with anyone that needs to be responsible on their end and right. report back results, you know? Yeah, yeah. So at what level or, you know, what sort of compliance uh, issues or rates of compliance do you see when you start talking to people about, Hey, you know what, listen, I got to get you to do some things on your yeah, end, you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, it's a, that's a fabulous question. And here is my fabulous answer. <laughs> Money. <laughs> At the end of the day, <laughs> I don't take insurance. I love it. So when someone is paying me to get them better, that's an amazing motivator. You know, when someone is actually having to put that skin in the game, which if I could just make an aside note here, you're paying for your health care either way. Right. You're paying health insurance. So it's you're paying. It doesn't matter which way it works. It's just a mindset. But that's the big, that's kind of a linchpin in right. that process. So when you go from the person saying, oh, I get it. I understand why I'm hurting and why I haven't gotten better. And then they say, so now what do we do? And I look at them and say, well, we're going to see each other twice this week, twice next week, and then once the week after and in between, I'm going to lay out what you should be doing in terms of movement sparing strategies or, you know, exercises or stretches or um, nutrition. I lay it out. I, I let them know A to Z what they need to do to get better. That's first and foremost, my job is to lay that out. That's why I'm getting paid is to be the intelligent side of this whole achievement mm -hmm. so money's the motivator and i do i have those people that will come in for the second visit and will check on the things that i told them to do and they'll say oh you know my life got in the way this happened that happened whatever and i i just say okay well we're gonna start session two again and all of a sudden the realization is well, this is going to cost me an extra session now. Well, exactly. So it's it behooves you to do the stuff I'm telling you to do. Right. And yes, we do have the people at the end of a treatment course of treatment that will say, but it's not working as quickly as you said. Well, we can go back and talk about how much did you do? How right. much did you do of the homework? You get in or you get out of it what you put into it. But you're blaming me. Absolutely. You're blaming me. Stop You know, it. I'm not for everyone. <laughs> and I do, I require that people show up. Yeah. And, and, it, and in all seriousness, not everybody becomes a client of mine because they may not be ready. And it's not fair for me to look at a person that's not ready and take money. Sure. Like, I'm in this for success both on the client side and my side. I can't feel good about what I'm doing as a practitioner if all I'm doing is generating dollars and the people aren't talking about their success. Yeah, producing no results, right? Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I think it's interesting, right? You got the this perception of business owners, especially um, larger business owners and or, you know, high-fee providers that they're just in it for the money. But oh, yeah. You know, at the end of the day, if you don't provide results, the money goes away. So, yeah. you know, you're paying for something. 
Yeah. You know, and if, uh, if part of your program is, you know what, look, Jason, you have to participate, you know, you have to be a willing participant here. I'm not going to hold your hand. I'm not going to come to your house and make sure you did the, <laughs> right, right. you know, the prescribed movements or whatever the case may be, you know, then the onus is on me. And, you know, I show up having not done the work. It, if you allow me to advance, it's almost like you gave me a participation trophy, right? Yeah. Yeah. You gave yeah. me the yellow belt that yeah, I we, didn't we earn, don't do right? Participation trophies ever. <laughs> no. Ever. Good. Uh, Thank you for that. Yeah. No, it's uh it's all about that. It's all about you know, you asked me an interesting question before we, we started talking uh for the podcast in about how I market myself. Yes. It it just struck me. One of the things that I oftentimes say to a person is it's not good marketing strategy for me to tell you things that aren't going to help you. Right. It's not good marketing strategy for me to look at you and tell you that I, I can help you get better in this amount of time and it doesn't happen. Right. Like I'm up against it. I put myself out there and it's a, it's an honest exchange. It's an honest, responsible exchange between two people. Right. You're coming to me because of the amount of schooling I have and the amount of experience I have. And I'm telling you, I can help you. Sure. And I'm asking you, are you ready? Yeah. I mean, as a sole practitioner, you know, I mean, I think a lot of people forget this. You know, if you go to, you know, if you go to a small town, you're, you're probably going to run into that small town doctor who might own his own practice. But most doctors are either part of the hospital system or they are part of a partnership, in which case, you know, hey, you know what, if I'm not doing so great, I'm still taking some money because my other two partners over here are doing all right. right. Or, you know, if I'm not doing so great, I still have my position at the hospital and I make money every time I show up at the hospital and cut somebody open or whatever the thing is, right? Right. But when you're the you're the guy, like when you're the guy and the rent is coming due and the family has to eat, right? And all the bills are coming in, it doesn't do you any good to provide zero results. Right. Because zero results ultimately mean zero cash flow. Exactly. And it happens quickly. Yes. You know, it doesn't we're in a big city and word travels quickly. Mm -hmm. You know, so I one of my benchmarks in success isn't about money. It really has to do, one of the things that makes me most happy is when I get a phone call and someone says, one of my clients referred. Yes. It's the greatest compliment ever. It's an right? amazing thing. <laughs> like it, it, I wish I could pay bills with that. That would be awesome. Yes. You know? So, yeah. You know, that, that, so we just talked about the whole overcome idea. And one of the questions inside of that, that chapter that leads into the third tenant is what are you going to do mm -hmm. when you feel better? Right. So it's almost like you're asking me to give you my why. Like, why do I? Exactly. Why am I here? What do I want to do? Yeah. Kind of a thing. Yeah. At the end of the day, you can't come into my office and say, I just want the pain to go away. Mm -hmm. Well, that's fine. But what are you going to do when the pain goes away? Tell me what the plan is here. What's our goal? Yeah, like, for sure. Are we going to run a marathon? Are we going to pick our kids up for the first time in their life? Are we going to go fishing? What are we going to do about this? Because we need to put that out there. Sure. It's amazing to me how many times I have a conversation with someone, you know, in this case, we're talking about your practice, but, you know, a lot of times I'm dealing with people in the mindset world, the business yeah. world. Uh, we're talking about, you know, how to serve our clients better, that sort of thing. 
And truth tends to sort of apex into this little triangle. And the, and the closer you get to the top of the triangle, the more truths just kind of overlap themselves, right? Yeah. And when you're asking me about, you know, what will I do? You're asking me what, what vision do I have for myself? Yeah. You know, it, it basically parallels all of that work, you know, Absolutely. like, what do I want to create for my body? What do I want to create for my business? You know, how about my relationships or my fitness? Yes. Well, you have to have some reason for doing any of that or else you're not going to do any of that. And you have to wake up every morning and affirm it. Exactly. Exactly. You, you create the life you most desire. If you're lucky or consistent, I should say. <laughs> I think consistency is a consistency, big one. Consistency, yeah. Forget the luck, the luck word. That was a, a statement on my part. <laughs> no such thing, right? No. <clears throat> yeah. So, I mean, when you're talking through your process, you know, I, I, it, to me, it could just map onto so many different things. It, in life, it is, you know? but it is really how it works. Like you, you even said it earlier is, well, that's common sense. Yeah. That makes sense. And I just smile in my office when someone goes, oh, that makes sense. Well, my response is, isn't it supposed to? Yeah, it's funny, right? Like I've hired a lot of different coaches. I've done a lot of different seminars over the course of my career. And, you know, my sort of awakening into personal development mindset work um, was back in 08. And I had started my first business that I owned in 03, right? And I remember, you know, going through these processes and paying out tens of thousands of dollars oh, yeah. for this education, right? And then getting in the program and then realizing how simplistic the yes. program was laid out. And the, the thing about that is it's a reminder, you know, uh, and, and, you know, not to, uh, you know, sort of look down on the world of a personal development or, or look down on someone's process. It's like it's simplistic in that we overlook the simple things. We, we want it to be complicated, yeah. right? Or we want yeah. it to be, we, we want it to be this big thing that we thought it was in our mind. It's human nature. And then we get in there and we realize, you know what? It just comes down to me doing the work nine times out of 10. And I'm paying this coach, not for like the common sense aspect of what I know to do. I know what to do and I'm not doing it. So I'm paying this coach to help me identify why I'm not doing it and to get me into the process of compliance and doing it. Right. Right? right. It's not that this person has gone to the mountain and gotten the tablets from God and come <laughs> yeah. down and this is what you must do. Right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's yeah. like, this is what you got to do, dude. Yeah. Are you going to do it or not? Right. And that accountability is, yeah. is everything really. Yeah. You don't have to fly the, the, the spaceship to the cave and find Yoda. You don't have to do that. <laughs> exactly. It's, just, it's not that complicated, but I think it's just, like I said, it's human nature to want to complicate or to overstep or overachieve. That's right. what we do. That's ego. Ah. You know, it's, it's Johnny ego. It sure is. It's got to be complicated, right? Because if it was be. simple, I would have already figured it out. Yep. <laughs> right. You stepped right over it. Guess what? Exactly. You stepped right over it for sure. Exactly. So that's where the third tenant, we talk about pursuit. So we're going to pursue. And it's not about pursuing getting better it's about pursuing life yeah when you're better right and we need to define that that's a big deal like i i, I can't overemphasize how prevalent it is with people that have an injury or some sort of movement dysfunction 
that they've changed or altered their expectation of their life. Sure. And their world is shrinking. It's become really small. Mm-hmm. So I don't do this because I feel like this. I can't do this because I feel like this. And I want to hear about all those things yes. that you can't do and you wish you could do. And let's put them up on the board and decide what's realistic. You know, sometimes people have some really major things like, yeah, maybe 80% is where we're going to end up, but that's better than the 30% that you're at. And what can we do inside of that 80% then? Let's define it. Let's put it out there as a benchmark moment to know that that part of the course, that part of you're getting better, we've achieved it. Yes, yes, yes. And that's what the pursuit is all about. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then on those days when it's tough to move, right? You have a yeah, reason to move. Absolutely. You know? Because again, you know, hearkening back to our little conversation a minute ago, you know, consistency wins all battles. And if you're not willing to carry that into your battle, you know, yeah. you're, you're doomed before you begin. So yeah, to speak. absolutely. And it kind of, you know, unfortunately for the big system, I kick its shins throughout the whole book, and mm-hmm. and the idea is it does underemphasize consistency yes it, it really does it it's kind of like well we're going to get you in for this appointment and we're going to see you again in six months or you know no we don't we don't need to see you just call us when you're not feeling good again yeah for sure so that's not built in and that's where i think it's really super critical for people to start thinking outside of that system like yes. that's why personal trainers exist. That's why yoga instructors and group classes. And these are all the things that you do to be consistent in maintaining your health. Mm -hmm. That's why there are people, coaches online now that are helping people understand nutrition. Yes. You know, because people lack consistency and having a coach that, you know, you have a meeting with at a certain time in the day, that's a scheduled thing. Well, if it's not scheduled, it doesn't get done, right? That's right. So that's why those people exist. And I can tell you from experience that it's a lot less expensive to pay a coach and to pay a trainer to help you maintain your health than it is for you to end up in the medical system in poor health. Oh, yeah. There's That metric is significant. Yeah. It's funny, right? Like when you think about the amount of expense you would incur, whether you have insurance or not for being, you know, ill or sick or in pain and and you enter the system, right. Versus the lifestyle that you live, you know, like not paying for that gym membership or not paying for, you know, that trainer or what have you, that CrossFit membership, whatever the thing is, you know, our nutrition coach in Christina's case, or, you know, performance and mindset in my case, like not paying for that, you know, over time adds up to a massive loss. And so the question is, you know, what are you really saving? You're not. You're pay just, me now or pay me later is what Mother Nature says. Yeah, but I think the reason, <laughs> I think the way people justify it is, I, you know, it only costs me a little bit right now, yeah. you know, to eat that Big Mac. You know, yes. It's like five bucks or whatever. Yeah. You know, so you don't equate to a Big Mac a week for the entire you know, time you spend on the planet, right? Or that Starbucks coffee with 900 grams of sugar in it, you know, you know, like every morning or every other morning and you're spending not only your money, but you're also taking in all that energy that you don't need. 
And then you wonder why you gain 15 pounds yep. a year and weigh 392,000 pounds, right? Yeah. So at the end of the day, <laughs> you know, when you can, when you, when you take little bits of money from people, you know, they don't add up the cost. No, right. But when you yep. say, hey, you know what? I need $3,000 now. Yes. It's like, whoa, what are you talking about, man? What are you man? talking about? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's crazy. Well, well, that's why we do payment plans for people. For sure. They like it in small doses. Absolutely. But it, at the end of the day, it's just the way it is. It's, it's an unusual thought process, and people just need to take a moment and really think it through. Absolutely. You know? And again, I go back to the book. It's all about waking up. Mm -hmm. It's about living consciously under a theme that has to do with pain and injury and movement dysfunction. But yeah, you know, at the end of the day, I think it's all about waking, waking up. I mean, we as a society, I can be so bold as to say it's pretty unconscious. Mm. Look at where we are. Yeah, for sure. We don't get here because we've been asking the right questions. Yeah. yeah. Or I mean, pushing I, back. Oh, yeah. For sure. I mean, the whole idea, you know, this uh, this practice that you've created, this book, you know, in and around uh, damn the diagnosis uh, being provocative. Right. Like it's provocative now just to say, I don't want the vaccine. Absolutely. You know, I mean, when did that become controversial? Oh, my like, gosh. When when did you when did it become controversial for you to control what happens to your body? You know, it doesn't make any sense to me. Right. I, I'm not getting pulled into that conversation. I, I, <laughs> I, I am very opinionated on that end. And it all goes in line with conscious and unconscious. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know? Conscious and unconscious. What are we actively creating? Yeah. Either passively or actively by choosing in or choosing out or choosing to speak or not to speak. Right. Whether it's, you know, a vaccine mandate or whether it's, you know, taking control of your uh, presence you yeah. know, in the company of a, a practitioner, right? Yeah. It's all the same stuff, really. I think that it has a lot to do with just having a lazy mindset. Oh, yeah. At the end of, of the course. day, people don't like to expend the energy it takes to be mindful. That's right. And to have a check and balance system that when it comes to somebody or something influencing the principles mm -hmm. that you've put out there. Yeah. Generally speaking, I'm not included in this. People aren't willing to defend their principles. They're lazy. They'd yeah. rather roll over and let someone stomp on them. Yeah, I don't know that I know a lot of people who actively have defined the principles by which they live. You know, I think most people are just given a way of being from birth, you know, and this is who they're going to be. If it was an experience that, that, you know, impacted them in some sort of effective way, but if it was some sort of experience that impacted them in a negative way, then yeah. they do their best to avoid it. So either way, their their life is informed by, you know, the experiences that they had um, that, that shaped them. And we're all in that boat to some degree. So that consciousness piece, you know, comes back to, all right, well, this it was my history. This is what happened. But it doesn't have to be Your what I carry into my future. Yeah. It's inherited sin. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And that, and that way of... That way of being, you know, is very difficult to break. You know, you talk about the medical system. Well, pick any system. Absolutely. Right? Pick, you know, pick a family structure, pick, you know, political system, pick, you know, anything you want to pick, churches, you know, any organization, yeah. anything yeah. that's systemized, organized sports, right? Yes. Try to change anything in any of those things. It would have to be the masses. Yes, exactly. Making that change. That's right. Consciously. That's right. With effort. 
Yes, of course. That's the only way. And we could get really deep into it. You know, like that's what they also call revolution. Yeah. And renaissance. That's right. So, you know, we're just two guys talking into microphones. What do we know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Right. Give a monkey a brain and he'll swear he's the center of the universe, right? (laughs) Too funny. Too funny. Yeah, well, we'll have to delve down those issues uh, another day for sure. Absolutely. Um, Is there anything else uh, in regards to the tenets in the book that you feel like you want to express? Well, there's tons, but I don't want to give it away. No, 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 I know, but like anything that you feel like would cause someone to want to really pick the book up and just not put it down? No, I think that, you know, they're... Generally speaking, it's something that people can definitely relate to. It's a, it's a book of hope. It's a, it's a book that charters hope in different ways. I think it's, you, it's going to be read and perceived differently from every reader. Yeah. Everybody's got different experiences that they're going to draw from. And there's going to be certain parts of the book that people agree with. And there's going to be certain parts of the book that people vehemently disagree with i even have an ode to the practitioner in the beginning of it because absolutely i can be a slight bit offensive because i'm calling people out and i'm saying what needs to be said yes and i'm also looking at the client and kind of saying short of wake the fuck up but Mm -hmm. that's what i'm saying sure it's if you want change and if you want to get better, like you said, in whatever realm, whatever venue you're looking at, you have to evoke that change. You can, it's just not going to happen because you're thinking it. You know, I have a sticker on my truck that hope will not save you. Yeah, hope is not a strategy. Yeah, it's not <laughs> a strategy. And it's true. You can hope all you want. Yeah. You got to act you have to do something to make it happen right right yeah i think hope is the result of action absolutely you know it's that cool fuzzy feeling you get (laughs) that one lit you up man you must have something to say about that (laughs) well it's true i mean that's what i tell people is like you can sit on your your butt and hope all you want but if you don't get off your butt and my dad used to say you can be on the right track vince but if you don't get moving, the train's going to run your ass right over. Yeah. Just, I love all those sayings, right? It's really that, true. That folksy wisdom that yeah. we all grew up with, right? I didn't, know what he, I didn't know anything that he was talking about then when he said it, but now I do. Yeah. I totally get it. Yeah, my dad used to say, you know, anytime we wanted something, you know, and, and he didn't want to deal with it, he'd be like, well, son, you can wish in one hand and piss in the other. <laughs> Tell me which one fills up faster. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You got to do something, right? Exactly. That's too funny, man. Cool deal. All right. So, uh, you know, obviously, um, you know, this has been, this book has been the result of much, much time, energy and effort. And, and I can't even fathom all the hours that you put into creating this, but so what is the, uh, uh, the intent? What would you consider uh, a success to be once the book is, is released? What would make it, you know, like uh, a success in your eyes? People, one, I'm not looking at this as something that's going to put money in my pocket. What I would love to see is people buying it, sharing it, and 
that email, the damn by the diagnosis at Gmail email is a great portal for people to reach out to me and tell me what they think about it. But also because the book will be offered on Amazon, that goal would be as if you read the book, do a review on the book. And I want honest, if you don't already know by listening to me, I want honest reviews. If you hate it, tell me, you know, I'm going to write more books. And the only way those books strike that fire in somebody is if you tell me what you need, tell me what you're looking for. Mm -hmm. So if there are things that you don't disagree with, tell me in those reviews. If you love it, tell me that too, because I'm just, I'm human. That makes me feel good. Absolutely. You know, so at the end of the day, what am I looking for? I would love to do group presentations. I would love to stand before a group of people. It doesn't matter what venue it is. And just have this discussion, have a deeper dive into it. And it could even go in the direction of what they need specifically in that group. Sure. You know, I have a lot of trapped up, pent up, kind of frustrated knowledge in my brain. And what, you? Nah, Come on. Yeah. So I would love to get before people and just, you know, share it and yeah. explain so that it will help others. You know, that's the goal is to get the word out there. Yeah, for sure. It, it can be frustrating when uh, you know that you, you have something to offer. I think, you know, I, I can tell you from firsthand experience internally to myself and then also people who are in my coaching group, we all know that we have a certain amount of value to offer and we all know that we can bring that value to the forefront, you know, once we crack the code and figure out, you know, what it takes yeah. to penetrate, right? Uh, and until you reach that point, it's just like this this never ending sort of self doubt, this yeah. this frustrating situation it's a grind, where it's just like a grind. I could have helped that person, you know, blah blah blah. Yeah. Um, but the the reality is, and the thing that it's difficult to remember when you're in that place, I think, especially as a creative mind and an entrepreneur, is that you have to earn the right to help people. Yeah, you know, uh, everybody says, "Oh, I'll just go out and help someone." Okay, well, you know, you have to earn the right to help. Yeah, I can do. go knock on doors and find every old lady in the neighborhood and say, hey, you know, can I cut your grass? Yeah. You know, in this day yeah. and age, she's going to be skeptical. Of that. Absolutely. I'm going to have to earn a certain amount of rapport before she says, yeah, come on into my backyard, you know, where no yeah. one can see you. And I'm here alone by myself. Maybe you knock me in the head and especially steal my you, China which, cabinet or something. Especially you when know? you're wearing your weight vest with your AR, <laughs> yeah. AR magazines in it. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I've had a couple people. I have a... Uh, I, you know, I have a, a plate carrier and so I put, uh, yeah. um, I don't have like ballistic plates in it, but I have weighted plates in it. Yeah. And then I put uh, my magazines in and, you know, I've got my little flag on there and all that kind of stuff. And I've had a couple of people when I'm out doing a ruck, you know, stop me and say, Hey man, what's going on? You know, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, dude, I'm unarmed. I'm just yeah. carrying weight, you know, just relax, you know, don't call the cops just right. yet, you know, kind of a thing. Yeah. But yeah, people jump to those conclusions, right? Again, because... Uh, comes back to your first, you know, tenant. We haven't had that understanding with yeah, one another. We conditioned. haven't. Yeah, yeah. We have. We we've lost community in some sense, right? And so, yeah, it looks strange to see someone like myself do that, right? Um, but you know, at the end of the day, uh, I think we've probably given people enough information to make an informed decision about whether or not they should look into what you have to offer more often. Um, and so, if you would take a moment and just let people know how they can reach out to you, how they can get in touch with you, yeah. And then we'll go from there. Yeah, so the easiest way, again, is just to reach out by email at damnedbythediagnosis at gmail.com. 
Um, we don't have anything formally set up as a website. We're in, in process of that. And we will definitely do what we need to do either through Amazon or other portals to let people know uh, that the website is up and running. You know, but uh, for right now, I want to keep it kind of close to the chest and, and personal. So we're definitely open to those communications in terms of the emails. So, yeah, just watch for it. Watch for it on Amazon. That's the first launch. That's how it's going to happen. Awesome, man. And my last question is always the same. And I know you answered it last time kind of kind of like, dude, this is a stupid question. So I'm going to ask it again <laughs> just to see if you still think it's a stupid question. What does wellness mean to you? Oh, <laughs> you did the same. You did. He knows right to hit wellness. Well, people evolve, right? I'm just curious. Wellness you know? is one foot in the door of the hospital system and one foot outside the door. I would rather talk about fitness. Mm. Fitness is when you're miles away from the front door of the hospital. So wellness is just a word that used to at one point really mean something, but it's been kind of changed and morphed and, and it's hovering just above sick. And we don't want to just be well. I mean, that's kind of like infantile level of existing. You're just a click away from getting sick. We want to be fit. Nice. I love that. And I appreciate you uh, saying your explanation again, because now I know the angle that you're coming from. So the angle I'm coming from is when I think of wellness, and a lot of times I get the same answer from, from people. Very rarely do I get a surprise answer. Yours was a surprise answer. <laughs> um, but what, what I think most people consider is it's a, it's a unification of fitness, of like mind, body, spirit. They think of it as more of an all-encompassing thing, but I get where you're coming from. So if you're not sick, you're just on the other side. You're just on the other side of the line of sick. You're you're well. You're, well. you're in wellness, right? Yeah. From a medical standpoint, or from a, yes. a uh, from a health standpoint, yeah. right? Exactly. So I, I get that. I didn't pick that up the first time you yeah. gave me that. Exactly. So yeah. So that's why we asked the question again, right? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. fitness is fantastic, right? At the end of the day, um, fitness. People think of physical fitness. Yeah. They don't think of fitness as being a determining factor or a word that describes your ability to do something, right? Well, are I, you I, fit to write a book? You know, are you fit to run a marathon? Are fit you, to survive. Right. Are you fit to be in a relationship, yeah. right? Are you so fit I, to care for a dog? When right? I look at fitness, it's that all-encompassing that you were talking yeah, yeah, yeah. about. It's, 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 if yeah. you all of a sudden had no electricity... And you all of a sudden had to figure out how you were going to provide for your family. How fit are you? Right. Like, like I think we should all look at that, not as doomsdayers, but as humans. Mm -hmm. It's all about survival and natural selection. Who survives the yes. most fit? Yes. And we've gotten really far away from that. Why? Because... We're all in search of being well. That's just a click away from being sick. Yeah, I get that, man. I, and it's, it's funny because I can, I can map that onto my experience as a kid, you know, growing up with my parents. Both my parents came from nothing. You know, both of them grew up on farms and had very little in the way of material, you know. And uh, I can remember my dad always saying, you know, I'd, I'd ask him, you know, what he does or how his day was at work. And we'd get into conversation 
And I'd say, well, how's it going? You know, and he'd say something like, well, yeah, I'm just trying to pay the bills. Yeah. You know, yeah. like that was the aspiration. Yeah. I'm yeah. just trying to pay the bills. You know, oh, yeah. it was never, you know, I am building something that we can use to thrive. Right. Exactly. It was, it was the lowest setting on the bar kind of yep. a thing. Yeah. We're just going to pay the bills. And, and to dovetail that with the, with what we just talked about in the book and how I take care of people. That's what pursue asks. Yes. What's the goal? If your goal is to be well, just above sick, you're standing in the wrong office mm-hmm. because we're going to get you well in a couple sessions. Yes. But we need to know each other long enough to make you fit. Yes. And so that you don't come back to this point again. I always say that. Like, remember this day, this day that we just met. Remember this because we're not coming back here. Right. We're leaving. And we're headed towards that goal that you just told me about. Nice. That's the beauty in how I look at not only myself and my little guy and my wife and my friends, but that's my benchmark for everybody that I take care of. you got to be in that mindset. Yeah. I love that, man. And I think there's a lot of confusion around that because these terms were really never well-defined. No, they're right. Uh, this is one of the things, one of the gifts I think Greg Glassman gave the world when he um, you know, coined the term CrossFit, right? He actually defined fitness. Yes. And he defined it as power output, right? So, you know, it's, um, you know, uh, work divided by time is, is average power, right? So if you can create more work in less time than me, and, we, and then we did the same task, you're more, more powerful... Fit you're more fit. Yeah. And I love that because it puts a number on it. Right. You know, and we forget, you know, that, that you can, that there's all levels of fitness, you know, there's that just barely getting it done. And then there, there's that yeah. person that could do three times what you can do or four times what you can do in the same amount of time. Exactly. And I think that's beautiful. It is beautiful. You know, and it's how we should really expect from ourselves. Absolutely. Because our only limiting factor is our mind. Absolutely, man. And on that note, brother, I want to say thank you for being here today. Much appreciated. Thank Um, you. Last word is yours. If you have any words of wisdom you want to drop Uh, on the world. Just that I appreciate you immensely and what you're doing in in the whole notion of your broadcast. Your your existence is awesome. Thanks, brother. Much appreciated. I really enjoy our conversations. I think every time we speak, I learn something. So thank you for being you. And then keep doing it. So guys out there in internet land or wherever you're receiving this podcast in the world, if you're having issues with pain and you're not interested in going that standard route, I highly recommend looking up Vince. Not only is he an awesome dude, but he can get you great results. And his last name is fun to say. Cataruccia. Cataruccia. Just say it over and over again, guys. So on behalf of Vince and myself, see you in the next episode. Take care. That's going to do it for this episode of Hardwater Radio, guys. As always, thank you so much for listening. We appreciate you guys. And if you're vibing on this content, be sure and help us grow the tribe by liking, sharing, subscribing. And by all means, leave us a comment on your favorite podcatcher. Let us know what you like, what you dislike. And if you are someone out there who would like to tell your story, we are a collector of stories here. Shoot me a message, jason at hardwater.com or pick me up on social media. Uh, Facebook, Instagram, whatever works for you. And I'd love to have that conversation with you guys. Until then, this is Jason Archer signing off, reminding you to remember your future.